Hello and welcome to the VanCast. I'm your host, Graham, and today we're with Ethan. Ethan, my man, how are you doing? I'm great, buddy. How are you? I'm doing super well, you know, still in COVID, but I had my first day of school, so I'm excited with that, starting up that stuff. Love it. Love it, buddy. So you are a big basketball player, so I just want to start from the very beginning with you when you were growing up. What made you realize you love basketball or that you were interested in basketball? Um, honestly, I think it was kind of like my dad that pushed me because um, my dad played uh, played basketball at Guelph um, out in Ontario and he was and he was really good himself. Um, so ever since I was young, we kind of had like a basketball court in the backyard and we always, you know, he always wanted to kind of shoot with me and get me shooting. So, um, so I think that's kind of how it started um, with his kind of, you know, push to have me play. Um, but over the years, I kind of developed a love for it. And then also, you know, I, I grew a little bit, so it kind of worked out in my favor. Um, so that's, so that's kind of how it worked. He just, he just really like pushed me when I was a, when I was a kid. So you had that family bonding time with your dad. It's always nice to have that role model, especially cause he played as well. So it really gives you something to look up to and be like, Hey, I want to be better than my dad. You know, I want to yeah. dunk on my dad. <laughs> yeah well no I, even to this day he said i still could never beat him one-on-one he was a great shooter but um you know i'll, I'll kick his ass yeah you <laughs> so uh when was the first first time you started playing like on an actual team um it started when i was playing in the uh the steve nash leagues um there was like the i forgot i don't know what it's called i think it's called like the steve nash youth league or something it was in west van at the time and um kind of like all the people that went to Collingwood, um, which is a school I went to when I was uh, when I was really young. Um, all the people there kind of were like were playing on the on the team, so we had kind of a super team of all my friends, and uh, we weren't amazing or anything, but it was just you know that was kind of the first uh, the first time I started, and it was all um, playing over there in that league. So yeah, what position did you start with? Um, I think honestly, at like the grade two level we're all kind of positionless we're all just kind of running running around on the court um but i was i'd probably want to have the ball as much as possible so i was probably just point guard you know grab the grab the ball from the inbound go down shoot a shot don't pass you know yeah classic (laughs) being young you just take over the entire game yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah that's that's dope and then you grew up a little bit and you you kept playing as you grew up yeah so um so after that um when I was in grade five, then I transferred to uh, to Saints. Um, and initially it was because uh, my sister also uh, transferred to Fraser Academy um, because, you know, she um, she she needed to go to school there to kind of get some help uh, yeah. uh, from teachers and stuff. So she went there um, and then my dad wanted to put me in kind of a, a school with, um, you know, good athletics, good academics. So he put me in the Saints um, and then from there it just kind of took off. Um, a lot of, a lot of great people at Saints, man, just, you know, it was, um, it was a really great experience because a lot of the people that were there were athletes, but it was also like a ton of smart people as well. Obviously a lot of, a lot of schools have that in Vancouver, but, um, you know, it was just, it was just great to kind of help me focus and, and to really propel me because it's honestly mostly a rugby school. So people weren't really, um, basketball guys, except for a couple really, really great players, like, 
uh, Emerson Murray or Drew Urquhart, like guys that played at Saints um, and then went D1. So Saints is definitely, definitely the first big step for me. The the thing that really separates Saints, St. George's, is the, um, the, the coaches and the training because they have really good coaches, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, def- definitely some great people at Saints. You know, some of the some of the teachers I'm I'm still really close with. Just just awesome, awesome individuals, and um, you know, they they really support you. I, I feel like a lot of the a lot of the teachers there are you know they're they're people before anything. You know, um, a lot of the people who are in the basketball program, like uh, Bill Disbro, um, who's an amazing amazing coach, and then guys like Guy De Silva, um, just really fantastic people, hard workers, and they and they really push you. And Saints really had a, a culture. Obviously, they had you know um, a bit of money because they're a private school, so they were able to hire like great coaches and to have that kind of extra push. So they had uh, they had kind of club team affiliation and and really tried to get the basketball program up a little bit. What well, what did the kind of week or maybe two weeks basketball training sessions kind of look like? Um, well, since it was kind of it's it's split up into semesters, so you're supposed to have um, like a sport. Uh, a sports requirement each term so typically it would be i think it was separated into three terms each year um so you'd have a different sport each term so typically i do yoga for the other two terms and then i do basketball for the for the um for the main part of the season um so we'd have we'd have practice you know just it was just like most regular high schools honestly just practice every day after uh uh, after school and that was maybe like five o'clock to seven o'clock or something but then um the the janitors and and the and the custodians used to be really nice to me about letting me go in early so i'd probably um i i used to live around the the granville 49th area and i used to bike to school for like an hour in the morning get up at, at six and then um and then get in gym at seven and on um on fridays we used to have these uh like these large assemblies right and i'd just be shooting and they'd be setting up behind me and i'd be in there with uh with my friend keith just just shooting up so that was uh it was definitely a lot of work like like saints saints didn't really have like uh you know an, an an extended practice schedule but they were really accommodating if you wanted to go there after hours biking an hour and getting there early man that's dedication yeah that's some serious dedication yeah. right there yeah no it was, it was nice they they let me they let me use a lot of the facilities and it was, it was just really great there did you also have like w- lifting weights as well? Um, yeah, we we did. Um, we had uh, well, a lot of this was aside from my own like my own club team and my own uh, training. Uh, I had a I had a trainer back then as well, so I so I did a lot of weightlifting on my own. Um, Saints Saints did a lot for me in terms of like helping me, you know, do what I want. They had a fantastic facility there and everything, um, but. You know, it was it was it was definitely guys like uh, Shondell Ben and, and Saltis. They they have a fantastic training program there, and I was with them since I was, God, grade nine, grade ten, or something. I was so tiny back then, and then they just kind of helped me with a lot of the basketball focused stuff. Um, they really pushed me to get stronger and become more competitive. So, what what do you think separates them being so good compared to like a novice kind of training organization? Um, I feel like it well. I, I feel like it's really important because with with Saltis how they how they helped me build it was a lot of like running form and things that you wouldn't think are actually important to help you develop in basketball. But what people don't realize and what they taught me 
is that a lot of the stuff that that they teach me is for injury prevention, um, you know, flexibility and and form. So when you do lift weights, then you can kind of load on the weight at a, with proper form. And a lot of people, you know, just throw around crazy weights, you know, 200 pound bench presses back then. And they had awful form and they were doing squats with awful form. And when they played, they'd become injury prone. So with them, they really focused on like, look, it sounds stupid. You can, you can go and run and you can do toe touches and stuff. That's the whole, that's the whole thing we're doing today. But it, but it really, really helped because later on when I did start to put on weight, then they started to have really good form and they kind of progressed through that. So I think it's kind of like a ground up approach, which is really good. And there's no that- bullshit. That is honestly so important. Like a great example is LeBron James, right? He's like 30 something years old. He has the body of like a 24 year old. And when he trains, he trains form. He doesn't go too hard. And he, they train to reduce injury. He's doing like cryotherapy, all these things, like going to the freezing cold tank, like all that stuff just to reduce the risk of getting an injury. Because if you get an injury, it's like, well, you just lost three or four months of progress. Yeah, exactly. And then you get set back with your own, you know, your own problems. Like if you if you break your ankle, you'll never be the same again, you know. So it's so it's just kind of um working towards things efficiently. Yeah, you could see it with Ono Dacumbo in the series. He just got he just got fucked up. And, yeah. Yeah. And they they got destroyed because of it, you know? Yeah, so I mean, a, a lot of coaches want you to play as much as possible and be and be um, you know, healthy so if you if you if you uh lift weights in the off season you're just throwing around crazy weights without actually knowing what you're doing then it can really mess you up yeah it's also another tip is you don't want to lock out like when you're squatting you don't want to lock out your knees or when you're benching you don't want to lock out your elbows you want to yeah. keep the tension on the muscle exactly. and, and you yeah. don't want to ego lift too you want to just be like you know you got to be modest in the gym smart and modest exactly man i know you know <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, are you are you a fan of NBA basketball? Do you have a favorite team? Yeah, I um, I've I've always been a fan. Well, I was a big fan of Derrick Rose back in the day. Um, and then he kind of got injured for a while, and it was kind of hard to support him because you know there wasn't there wasn't too much he was playing with. Like he he was just out. Um, and and he was just so explosive, and I and I loved his game so much. Um. And then, uh, and then I went. I, I go down to the to the Vegas Summer Leagues a good amount. Um, the NBA Summer Leagues, obviously pre-COVID and everything. But um, when I was there, um, I saw Steph Curry in the in the Summer League in his in his first in his rookie season, like the first couple of games. And I just remember he was he was unbelievable. Like this like this guy is I don't know the seventh pick or something. He just he just blew he blew up in the game. Um, and and ever since I've just been kind of been a fan of, of Steph and the Warriors and everything. Like the the way they play is just so different than everyone else, and they just have this confidence about them and fun to the game, which is really what it's all about. Like you know, a lot of a lot of teams are, are very serious and they and and there's very uh, individual focus. But when you watch the Warriors play, and that's what really changed it for me. It's like the guys are having fun, you know, and they're throwing around the ball. They don't care who scores. So yeah, I've been a, I've been a fan for the Warriors for a while, which is cool. They they also shifted the game into like a three point game. They really showed the power of the three point shot. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Because their entire team, like they were like a super team, but they they would just shoot three after three. They could be down like twelve points, and that's just like Steph just hits a couple threes, and it's like oh my god, so dangerous. 
Exactly. And it's just, it's just like such a fun way they play, you know, when, when, uh, when Baron Davis and I don't know if you, you remember back in the days, but, um, but there is this playoff game where, uh, where the Warriors are playing the jazz and they were completely underranked. Like the, like the Warriors were, I don't know, the eighth seed. I think Utah might have been the one seed, but I, I can't remember exactly. And, um, and the Warriors ended up upsetting them and the, and the crowd was just unbelievable. It was, it was like the way that they played, um, behind the, the energy of this guy named Baron Davis. And he, he, He's just, you know, he, he kind of set it off for me. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the crowd has a massive impact on the way players play. And, and coming to my next question, right now they're playing in the bubble and there's no crowd. Do you think that has an effect on their performance? Yeah, for sure. I, 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 th- I, think, that it, I think that it does. But there's also kind of like a nuance to it because when there's no crowd, you can kind of uh, focus on it a little, focus on your game a little bit more. Um, when I was at, um, at, at Saints, I, I might, I might bring this up prematurely, but when I was at Saints, um, uh, we didn't have that many, that many people watching our games. You know, it was, it was, it was just, you know, 10 people, 20 people or whatever for almost every regular season game. And then, um, when we make provincials, I think we made it like one year, maybe two years. Um, there still weren't that many people watching the game because it's just at the LEC, right? Um, but when I when I went to prep school overseas or, or sorry over in uh, over in Ontario, it just it, it it's the crowd is just so much more than than anything out here and and it kind of elevates your play when there are people on your side or watching you know so 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 open gyms um, where there's no one it it kind of makes it tough to play but then again if you practice all the time and you and you become comfortable in your craft then. And, you know, it makes it makes no difference. So you so you transferred from Saints to this uh, academy or or whatever. Yeah. So uh, when I was in grade eleven, I um, I transferred from uh, from Saints to this prep school in Ontario, and um, and when I went there, it was for my grade twelve year, um, because I, I I loved I loved Saints and everything about it, but I felt like there was something a little bit more for me out there. I felt like I wanted to be pushed. Um, and that, and that school was just unbelievable. Like we had guys like Jamal Murray that played on, on the same team and guys like Thon maker that played on the same team. Wow. Ton, tons of D one guys. Um, and it allowed me to compete with some of the best players in the world. And, you know, it, it, it was just such a different experience than anything at saints. Was it hard coming at such a late age um, to like make friends and kind of get into the society? Yeah, well, it was it was tough because um, growing up, I moved a lot, so I, I feel like moving again before my before my senior year, not being able to graduate with all my friends, it was tough. It, it was super tough. Um, but you know, kind of the, the drive for to 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 achieve something else and to have these experiences. Um, the the town that I went to, which is Orangeville, it's it's a pretty shit town to be fair. It's it's so it's it's incredibly tiny. It's it's isolated from the rest of Ontario, and it's really freaking cold. Um, <laughs> but it's it's so bad. Like compared to Vancouver, you know, people would be like, "What the hell are you doing?" Uh, especially transferring from such a great school. But it was like the facilities they have there and the people there. It's it's the most memorable thing I'll I'll have in my life probably. Um, we played on you know, the, the most incredible circuits in the States. We played on ESPN. We, we played on TSN. We, we had, you know, incredible people come through Chauncey Phillips to watch our games. Um, like 
it, it was just, it's, it's a surreal experience. And it's probably one of the coolest things that I can, you know, I can look back on. Well, every decision you make, you need to, you got to give a little to get a little. So you gave up some sick downtown vibes, you know, the sick Vancouver life, but you got the game life, you know, you got the almost fame because they look at you like a star over there. Right. Yeah. What? I guess so. I mean, I mean, they're they're obviously the guys that that are that are my teammates, like like Jamal and uh, and Thon and stuff, and and obviously you know they're they're superstars in their own right. They're millionaires, right? Yeah. Um, from from playing basketball. Um, so I was just I was just a little scrawny white boy that came in, and I was like you know the the sixth man in my first year, or or not even maybe like the eighth or ninth man, and then in my second year I was I I still didn't start. So, um, so although I, I went there. And and played with all these guys. I wasn't a I wasn't a superstar, but I but I still, you know, I I, I love the experience so much, and 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 the people that that I met there and played with. It's just it's just something so different. Well, even if you're not at like the superstar level, when you play with superstars, it makes your game so much better. Like for me, I do the same thing with spike ball. I play with guys <laughs> that are ten times better than me. That just ace me every serve <laughs> because yeah, yeah. it makes me better. And then when I play with like guys that are on my level, I smash them because I've yeah. just been playing with these guys that are beasts. Yeah. Well, I remember when I uh, when I went to Orangeville, I um, I think it was my first couple of days, and uh, and I was and I was playing our practice, and we had and we had two separate teams out there at that academy. So we had one team called Orangeville Prep and another called Athlete Institute. So in my first year. Um, Orangeville Prep was by far the better team. They had, you know, guys that went to UNLV, Tennessee, and then Jamal was playing on that team. Thon was playing on that team, and, and another guy called Matur, who's uh, who's playing in the G League now. So they literally had seven D1 players, two two NBA players. Like it was just the most stupid team ever, right? Yeah. And we had um, a couple D1 players, we maybe three D1 players, and then the rest were, um, you know, pretty pretty high level CIS players, like myself. Or like low low D one mid D two kind of guys, right? Yeah. Um, so there was just a, a a huge difference. And at the time when I went to the school, I think I was ranked like not even top ten in Canada. I was like the 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 four, like the thirtieth or fortieth best player in Canada, right? So when I when I played uh, at the school in my in my first practice, the first team was coming off the the Orange Prep team was coming off, and and I, I didn't know Jamal that well. Like it was it was maybe like my second or third day there, and I was like, yo, let's play one on one. He's like, all right, sure. So, uh, so we go to play the one-on-one and he's, and he's done practice, right? And I'm just, I'm just trying to get hype, uh, for practice and stuff like warming up and we're playing and it's like, I don't know, eight, eight, seven for him. Right. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm re- I'm really in this, you know, I got like, this guy's the number one player in Canada. I'm like, the fuck, like, why don't they rank me higher? Right. And then, uh, and then there's this play where he, uh, he just takes the ball and we're, and we're just playing one-on-one he just drives by me and windmills on me. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. why. And I'm, like, and I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like, this guy. And I, and I realized at that point that he's been dogging it the whole one on one. And I'm like, I'm like all sweat, all everything, like fully, <laughs> like fully, fully, like man, I'm gonna take this guy. You know, let me dethrone this kid. Um, and he just went, and I'm like, man, like you really <laughs> don't even take me that serious, like uh, so. Uh, yeah, it was just—it was just such a—it's such a big difference out there, and those guys definitely elevate everything that you work towards. Yeah, that guy is a beast. You see him in his in his games; he's like drops like fifty. Like, oh my god. Yeah, I know, man. He um, 
he's he's been he's been such a killer lately man like every everything but it's it's not even a surprise to me though because when he's been playing um out in out in Ontario like he he was unbelievable on the US circuits and everything and obviously the the narrative that comes with Canadian kids is all oh, they're soft or whatever but Jamal is just the opposite of that um he was a killer since day 1 and obviously Kentucky picked him up he had a great year there um anyone in the NBA but yeah he's 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 always been like that and he's always been you know someone that would that would push me push other guys and um definitely definitely a, a great guy I all know and he's and he's a Canadian kid, which you gotta respect. Yeah, his his dad is is such a nice guy, man. I, I remember I remember so many times just just shooting in the dim, and his dad would be there just shooting with him, and it would be something like, you know, most most guys at that level, if you're if you're number one, you might have like a, a coach work with you or a trainer or something, but his dad was always there just working with him, and you'd have such a grind mentality. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely something that's unique about him. I think that's a big factor in, um, cause, cause there's a lot of guys out there that have the talent, but they never had, you know, someone there to push them and, and help them get to the top. Cause you, cause it, you can't just have the talent. You got to have the drive. You got to be able to work every day. Yeah. So the family and the environment is so important. Yeah. Like uh, there's a, there's a, a, another guy, obviously you, you, you probably know him. It, it's Thon maker. Uh, um, so he, so he uh, played on the first team the first year. He played on Orangeville, and then he transferred to my team because he because he liked our coaches a lot more. Um, but when he came, he had a kind of like a mentor or a, or a, I don't know like a we we called him his guardian because he was he, he came from Australia and uh, and his and his parents weren't you know weren't incredibly wealthy and they and they wanted someone to take care of him and this was the guy that that coached him back in Perth um, and this guy would. You know, get him up at six a.m. You always see him in the gym. Thon honestly is is the hardest worker I've I've ever seen in my entire life with anything. Like he'd come off of a a, a six week road trip in 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 the states and just come back and you'd see him in the gym at six in the morning and he'd be on the he'd be on the cryotherapy, he'd be on the all that and it's just it's just something something else and and that's something that you never see in Vancouver because when you're in Vancouver you think oh I'm the best like. I'm, I'm, you know, the starting guard on my on my AAU team. Like, I got, I got all this. Like, I'm good. I, I'm going to go D1. But then you go out there and you realize that all these, all these people are just, are just killers. You know? Yeah, it's true. There, there is that. There is that. Especially at Saints, there's that like I'm dope mentality. You know, and sometimes you lose track of, of what reality is. Yeah, for sure. Like any anyone. Shit. When when I was when I was playing at Saints, it was like. I was the captain, you know, I started on my AU team. I was, I, I was like, oh, there's no worries, you know, and people, people always thought of me as like, you know, a good basketball player. But when I went out there, the competition was just so high. And even Ontario, it's just, it's just a window into the real basketball world. Like, you know, there's, there's so many players out there that are taller than you, stronger than you have, have more to fight for. Like people can't even eat unless they play basketball because they got to yeah. take advantage of every opportunity they got. And that's something that, you know, I didn't have that weighing down on my chest. I could still eat. I could still, you know, get a job. My dad could help me, you know, so I didn't have that much to fight for, but there are guys who literally eat your heart out that are in, you know, Chicago, uh, even, even close to Seattle. Like there are guys everywhere that are just dog you. So it's hundred percent. Do you, do you have a super memorable game? um while you were out there or a super memorable moment um 
Yeah, when we when we went went down to uh, Massachusetts, um, we played at the Springfield Hall of Fame, and that's like you know I don't I don't know what the hockey equivalent would be, um, but it's like the I, I guess it might be like the thing in Toronto, right? The Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, but in in Springfield, Massachusetts, we had um, we had this game against Finley Prep, which is one of the best uh, schools in the world uh, for basketball, and it's it's incredibly renowned. Um, and the and the place we played in was was like the Naismith Hall of Fame, like the most unbelievable gym ever. So we flew down there, and um, and we played on ESPN One, and I think I think it was aired on TSN Two, but it's des- definitely on ESPN One. And I came off the bench all season. And in this game, I had like 13 points, like four rebounds, a couple of steals, and I shot like I don't know 80 percent from the field or something, like just just nuts, right? Yeah. And and most and most of the season, you know, I'm I'm just kind of uh, I I could be a big morale guy, you know, um, yeah. but uh, but I I went off that game, and that was and that was probably my my best game, uh, regardless of points, because I've had big big scoring nights before of of other nights, but. But it's definitely memorable when you know you go on such a big stage and you don't fluster. Like that was that was really really cool for me. Dude, that's so sick that you were on television, man. That's <laughs> that's pretty incredible to be on TSN. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, no, it was cool, man. It was cool. What What do you think of the possible number one draft pick, Lamelo Ball? I think well, the, the Warriors got the number two pick, so I I, I think I I think he's. He's really good. I just, I just hope that the whole family thing it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't catch up to him. Um, I, I think he's a, probably a great guy, and you know, got his head on, head on a swivel. But that family is just something else, man. And it, and it can tear you down if you're not focused. But he, he seems, he seems good. So, um, you know, I got, I got no worries with him. I think he's probably going to be really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope he's going to be good. Like Lonzo is kind of, he's a little bit trash to be honest, but. But um, Lamelo, he's young. He's a point guard. He's tall, and he just like he just got that. I don't give a fuck. I'm just gonna make this shit happen. Yeah, yeah. And, no, for and sure. also, also, he has like millions of Instagram followers. It's and he's had it for so long. It's like. <laughs> Like even if he wasn't that good, they'd probably still draft him just for the clout, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe you know, get like get like some uh, you know G League team to sign him up. Get all these get all these fans on the IG. Yeah, exactly. It's it's yeah. The the Ball family is like. Don't get me started on Levar. Like that guy's a fucking idiot. But you know, he's an idiot that made himself a millions from his brand or what have you. So. He, he's yeah. kind of like Donald Trump. It's like he's kind of an idiot, but he's the president. So you got to give him respect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, on a little bit, since we're in politics a little bit, um, do you have any views on on uh, politics right now? Um, Especially because, you know, a lot of basketball players are African-American or dark darker skin and we have this whole Black Lives Matter protest going on and police brutality. You've probably... Um, seen it a lot because because they had their they had their protest on the nba teams did their protest for a day or two yeah um i i'm a big believer in that people can do whatever they want unless it hurts other people and i and i think that with the whole black lives matter thing like it's it's super important for people to be able to speak their minds and to be you know able to able to have that free speech um you know the 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 city i was born in and 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 the 
and the area of Hong Kong, like they've they have you know big things on free speech. They have they have big protests, and when when I was there playing ball, they had big protests um, uh, out there because of the of the national security law. Um, so I think that if if these players have a platform and they believe strongly in it, then I, I think you know it's it's a fantastic thing. And 100%. as long as it, it, and as as long as you know they're not hurting anyone else or being violent, which I don't know what the I, I don't know what the percentage was. I think it was like ninety seven percent of the protests were were uh, were peaceful. Like that's fantastic. You know, there are always going to be those people that you know are are, are violent, but that comes with anything. You know, um, yeah, hundred so, percent. It's like, like it's so like, much. It's like there's there's police officers that are violent, you know. So yeah. there's protesters yeah. that are violent. There's always a small percentage that are gonna take advantage. And um, obviously, like what's going on in the U.S. is pretty pretty messed up. And um, like I've seen a lot of those videos. Um, and personally, like yeah, they may have <coughs> resisted arrest, but it doesn't justify killing someone, you know. Um, For sure. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a rough, rough time for people in the U S. So I do, I do feel for them and hopefully they go out and vote for the next election because it is super important to vote. Uh, cause if you don't vote, you can't complain, you know, you can't, yeah. you can't be out there being like, this is bullshit if you're not voting. So do whatever yeah. you have to do to get your vote in. And I, and I think, and I think that's a really good part about society is that, is that we all, you know, we all have, uh, equal equal chance at, at affecting our communities right um you know there there are different political systems put in place so you actually have a voice um and that wasn't the case uh 40 years ago because there were people who were you know uh who who, who didn't have chances to vote regardless of of if they were legally allowed to vote there were there were systematic issues that that prevent them from voting hundred um, percent so it's 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 really it's really good nowadays that people have you know mostly um free access to vote and to, and to have their voices heard so i think it's really important that people you know speak up for issues that are important to them yeah and you know you can always run for smaller offices and and start small and build your way up and just change change legislation change laws um because there there are a lot of laws and legislation that are just so old they need to be yeah. updated they need to be updated um so on to a brighter note Let's talk about shoes. Sure. What was your first, if you remember, what was your first pair of basketball shoes? Um, first pair of basketball shoes. I, I could say, I could say, memorably, I had, um, I had these Nike ID Hyperdunks that were that were unbelievable, um, and those those were way, way, way back. Um, but but those are just like performance shoes. I think the first pair of shoes that was like actually like nice for me were the were the Concord Elevens. Those were my favorite shoes ever, and I think I got them back in 2011 when they released, and that kind of started it started it quite a bit for me. Okay, list off list off all the shoes you got, all the shoes you got. Let's go. I can't. <laughs> I or can't. just some some that you recently bought. Um, and they don't have to be basketball shoes because I know you're a sneakerhead. Yeah, I um, I'm mainly into Jordans. So if you if 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 you if you can think of a really popular Jordan, I I probably have it. Um, I I'm I'm I try to downsize a good amount. I I capped it about 130 pairs 
a couple Holy years ago. Shit. Yeah, and then I <laughs> and then I and then I kind of sold off a bit and um, you know, because over the years I was going to school and I didn't have a job. Um, so, so I kind of went down to, I think about 80 or 75 now. Um, but I have, I have no desire to get any other shoes right now. I just, I, I have all the ones I want over the years. And, you know, I, I think all the new ones that are coming out are a bit too played out. So that's kind of what I'm at. They're in my room. They're just, uh, you know, they, I got them on, I got them on shelves. I got them on display. Some of them are in, are in uh, storage over here, but a lot of them are, um, a lot of them are uh, artists in my room because I wear them pretty much all the time. If you were to have the best basketball f- shoe from any player, what player would that be? Any time oh, zone. Kobe, man. Kobe, all the time. Kobe, yeah, rest, Kobe. rest in peace, man. Kobe, Kobe 8s were, were the best basketball shoe ever, man. When, when, I, when, I, played, uh, when I played in Hong Kong, I, I brought over two pairs of basketball shoes, and they, and they were the Kobe 8s and, and the Kobe 5s. And um, and I and I played in those ever since I was uh, ever since I was in high school, pretty much. When they when they gave us free shoes, I'd be like, they they gotta be Kobe's. And, and if they weren't, I'd wear them for a couple of games and then sell them. What about basketball jerseys? Um, I think I think some of the harder to find ones are really really cool. Like you know, kind of like the in-between ones, like the Steph Curry Davidson jerseys are dope. I have one of those. And like the Vancouver Grizzlies jerseys, I love those. Um, but like, I, I, I find it kind of hard to wear Golden State jerseys just because I feel like too much of a fanboy when I wear them. But old, old, Fuck old, the old haters, school man. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, old, old, school, old school stuff is great for me. I just like, I, I kind of like wearing stuff that not many people have. Um, so I can just kind of, you know, have that in my collection is, is like a little timepiece. I feel that. So you, so you did a- end up going to play in Hong Kong, right? How, yeah. how was that that experience? Because I know it is a little bit of there's a little bit of civil unrest and there was a lot of protests and. Yeah, I um I went over there for a year. Uh, once I was once I well I, well I went to Calgary um to play basketball for them and then uh when I transferred back home I I wasn't playing for UBC. Um, I was just going to school, but I still stayed in. I still stayed in shape. I was training all the time. I was just staying ready for my for my time, um, because when I was considering going to UBC, they got um, some great guys that that transferred. Some seniors, uh, Manor Claire, Jaden Cohey, just really really great players, and I wasn't going to play over that. So I was sitting out for a year. And when I traveled out to Hong Kong, I was traveling with my dad. Um, one of one of my old friends from playing basketball, he's, he's much older. Um, he, we kind of met up in Hong Kong. We went to a rooftop bar and he was like, yo, you want to play out here? Um, and you know, they, they love basketball out there, but, but, but a lot of them, you know, they're, they're, they're older and they, and they can't really play as much. The people that were like older, older, the people who watch the games. Um, but there's also a lot of young people in the city. So it was, it's a really, interesting place because um you know it's just such a crazy divide like you got you got this high level basketball stuff and then the business city and it's just unbelievable and then you have like simultaneous issues of um political oppression from china and wealth disparity between um you know people who are working literally through the night and they're 70 years old um and living in 200 square foot apartments and it's just such a big, big difference. So when I went there, 
I was living the life and it was, it was nothing compared to what life is actually like out there. Um, but it was, it was a really fantastic experience. And, um, and a lot of the experience came from how nice the people were and how great the culture is. Like, like in Vancouver, we have, um, we have such a great city for being multicultural and being able to experience so many different things. That's where you got all those great sushi spots and, you know, all the, oh, all the yeah. dim sum and enrichment yeah. and everything. And we, and we got it all. So when I went there, it was almost the same in that there were all these great spots and there was all this culture that I was so used to. So it, it's, it's just an amazing city, but it's just, you know, there's, there's two sides of Hong Kong and I was able to see that a little bit, which is really cool. How was the basketball? It was good. It was, I was actually surprised when I, when I, when I went there, I was thinking that it would be a walk in the park, you know, I was like, man, I was like, man, you know, I'm coming over here getting paid all this money. Like I'm like, I'm living right. I like, obviously you got to work hard and that's, you know, something that's in my blood, but, but, you know, I was like, man, like I'm excited to start on this team. I'm excited to do whatever, but it's just like, it's, it's so competitive out there, you know, cause there's also guys that are great in, in university. Obviously it's, it's a little, it's, it's a little bit, um, of a step below of, um, of some of the teams out in Ontario, like they, they got some killers out there, but, um, but they got some good players and, and, you know, it's, 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 it's a really, it's a really cool atmosphere because you're living in one of the craziest cities in the world and playing basketball. And there's not many cities like that. Like Vancouver doesn't have that. Los Angeles doesn't have that. Like if you're to play pro basketball in a city, most likely you're playing in the middle of nowhere in Europe, you know, like Belarus yeah. or, or, like middle of nowhere in a farm in Lithuania and you get paid like <laughs> five, 5,000 a year plus your accommodations. And it's just, it's, that's just what it is. So, um, so I lived something that was partially unrealistic because that's not, that's not a common thing for people to, you know, to, to live in a city like Hong Kong. It's just, it was just a surreal experience. Well, they have over a billion people. They should be able to find a couple good basketball players. Yeah, they they do have they do have some good players. It's it's separate from China in the sense of that um, it doesn't it's it's kind of its own independent entity. Um, it it, has or it its own was business. it was. Yeah, and now it freaking is again. But um, but either way, it's um, you know it's uh, it's it's definitely a, a unique situation, and the, the city is just is just some some crazy. Yeah. No. Have you did you hear about the like um, re-education camps? going no, on in, going on in China so there so they have these um there's a lot of speculation about it but basically there's like a Muslim population um, and they're they're putting them into re-education camps to so that they uh, worship uh, like get with the Chinese norm because they, they find that like this different religion is threatening the norm of China and they came out with this uh, this new uh, movie called Mulan which you probably heard of, like Disney came out with it. And there's a lot of controversy because they filmed in areas in China near these, these re-education camps. Um, So there's just, there's like a little bit of this like political stuff going on with China right now, um, which is kind of, it's, it's hard, it's hard to know because you never really know the facts and the, like, our governments are telling us this is what's going on and China's denying it. So you never really know what's, what's, what's true. Yeah. Um, but lastly, just to finish it off here, um, do you have, what was, do you have any good restaurants or anything that you went to in Hong Kong that you really liked? Like what, what cool, like traditional food? 
yeah I, I i really got into dim sum when i was there like i i never i never really had dim sum before i i went to hong kong and there's this fantastic place because I'm, I'm a big hole in the wall kind of cheap eats guy yeah. um so there's this place called tim ho Wan, and uh my girlfriend came out and visited me so when we went there we were just going to all the all the crazy places like all the all the fun hole in the wall places and just exploring so when we went to um to hong kong there's a place called Tim Ho Wan, which is literally a, a, a Michelin star rated restaurant. And they have um, $2, $3 dim sum plates. And it's just the most unbelievable thing I've, I've ever seen. I went, I, like, I was, I was in mid-season form, so I was in great shape. But I was going there, God, three times a week, four times a week. Like, it, was just, oh, it, was just, it was just unbelievable. Um, I love dim sum. Yeah, it's clutch, man. I I never really um I never really tried it until I went out there, and then when I came back, I put on all my friends. Like I was like, man, you gotta try this. You know, <laughs> it's just some it's just something so different. Um, well, you're lucky. You're lucky because you come back to Vancouver, and we have amazing dim sum spots. Exactly. I just I drive twenty minutes, and I go out to Richmond, and I see there's all this stuff. I'm like, who? 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 Who didn't show me this when I was here? Like, yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> You know? Come on, guys, step it up. <laughs> yeah, but there's but there's a bunch of great spots, man. The the, the culture is just unbelievable there, and and they have so many hardworking people that that they you know, um, the, the like the cut up barbecue pork and and all that street food is just unbelievable. It's it's really really good. So so post COVID, I want to hopefully go back maybe take my girl or something. Hopefully, yeah. Well, thanks for coming and chatting with me, man. It's been fucking awesome. So lastly, I'm just going to, if you want to shout out your Instagram or shout out whatever you feel you, you were obligated to shout out. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, my name is Ethan. I, I play basketball overseas. I'm, I'm a student now. Um, but, uh, but, but my Instagram's at Ethan C. Scott. Um, you know, support the homies, man. Don't just support me, support my friends. I got, I got a lot of cool friends that are doing great things. Um, 100%. So yeah. Stay yeah. safe, everybody. And have a good day. Peace out.